two experts, one show, and everything Riverland football. Seriously, who writes these scripts? <laughs> what is this, amateur hour? Well, at least they love the game. And maybe a... Responsibly, of course. The Kick-Ons Podcast with Lions in Dillow. For MB Roller Doors, installation, servicing and repairs. One of the biggest weekends in Riverland football is here on our doorstep as we honour the legend of Russell Ebert. Welcome to the Kick-Ons Podcast, brought to you by MB Roller Doors for installation, sales and service. I'm your host, Brendan Lyons, and joining me is one very happy Lyons supporter from his trip to Adelaide last week, Nick Dillon. Are you still up and about? I can see you wearing the Lions cap there, mate. Oh, no, I've actually got the Arizona Cardinals on today, but yeah, it does look like that in the uh, light you're looking at. But yeah, um, no, it's still up and about a little bit. I was surrounded by 40,000 Nobed Crows fans on, on Saturday night, which is probably my version of hell, mate. So if um, yeah, no, that, that wasn't too flash when they were whinging about every umpiring decision um, that was made on the night. But uh, we got the chocolates in the end and I was pretty happy. And the young fellow was too, took him down for his first game in Adelaide Oval. Oh, fantastic. How good's that? So he's made his league debut. Yeah, he's seen one game at the Gabba, but that was his first at AO. Him and his uh, his niece were there, so it was um, good for them to sort of get out and see the footy. Excellent. Family occasion. Hopefully a lot more to, lot more nights like that to come for you, mate. Absolutely. Well, we're locked and loaded for another big show because we have got some guns on this week, mate. I'm talking, we've got... Magpies gun Matt Spensley. We got two young guns from the Berry Football Club in Oscar Krieger and Darcy Menchella, fresh off their state under-18 selections. Plus, we've also got something very special for our poor Adelaide fans uh, to go in line with the Russell Ebert tribute match. We're going to be talking to Port Adelaide captain Cam Sutcliffe. Uh, he'll be coming up here with his men to take on Westies at Loxton Oval on Sunday. So very special guest there. Plus, we've also got our pocket size gun, Liam Jackson. He's back uh, a little bit later, and uh, we'll be having a chat with him. Uh, he'll be sitting in our special comments uh, seat again this week. Plus, all your favourite segments and your comments from the Marks Up Facebook page from this week. Remember, you can keep up to date every week downloading the Kick-Ons podcast on the Spotify and Apple podcast networks and on the Marks Up Facebook page. And if your business would like to advertise on our growing social media network, get in touch with our ads team at MarksUpRiverland at gmail.com. So with all that, Dillo, let's have a whip around some of the news of the week. Well, I guess the big thing is the uh, Russell Ebert trivia game, isn't it, mate? It's finally here and uh, at Loxton this Sunday. Very exciting day for both the Loxton and Wakery football clubs and um, paying uh, tribute to to one of the greatest footballers to ever grace the field in, in not just South Australia, but Australia. Yeah, he's one of those legends that even it, it just goes above football, Russell Ebert. He's almost part of the culture of our state and he crosses so many boundaries. Like even my old man's one of the most anti-Port Adelaide people. But <laughs> when Russell Ebert is mentioned, respect is given. Yeah, that probably comes from obviously representing South Australia with um, you know uh, 
great skill and over over many years as well. And I think uh, when Russ did that, uh, all South Australians got behind him. And I only have one memory of, of Russell, and that was he came to do a school clinic with us, um, a bit similar to the job I'm doing now yep. um, at Redmark High School one one year. And I'll never forget he he um, he had his back to us, and he had uh, I can't remember who the other bloke was. He wasn't Russ, so I didn't remember him. But the other bloke was about 20 metres away and he sort of had his back to that guy and he just put the footy behind him and reverse drop kicked it. Perfect bullet pass straight onto his chest. I've never seen anything like it. And I've been trying to do the same thing for years and haven't been able to nail it. But Russ is just, yeah, obviously he was an extremely talented uh, uh, man and, uh, and, and a really nice fella as well by all reports. Yeah, that's it. Loved doing his charity work. Loved coming back mm. to the Riverland and it's just great that we can all get there and honour him where where the legend all started? Yeah, absolutely. Playing playing uh, for both Loxton and, and Wakery over, over the years, and um, you know, yeah, like you mentioned, he started his his career here in in the Riverland, and he'll always be remembered as as a Riverland player. Um, probably not first and foremost, but but definitely from the people within in the Riverland um, circles. And um, it's going to be great to have the Ebit family there on the day as well, um, and to, for them to sort of um, you know, be there, I think is a pretty special thing. Yeah, it will be, and uh, we'll talk about all of that when we get with uh, Cam Sutcliffe a little bit later from the Port Adelaide Football Club. But before we do here on the this episode of the Kick-Ons podcast brought to you by MB Roller Doors, we'd usually get to our round review, but let's mix things up, hey, Dillo, because some big news dropped last week. We've got two young lads who are actually standing amongst uh, the giants of our state under-18 squad. Uh, half the squad's above 190 centimetres, so... So it's, uh, yeah, it's a very, very interesting year and uh, a, a tall crop that we've got. So we're joined now by Berry's duo, Oscar Krieger and Darcy Mincella, who have been named in the under-18s state squad. Well done, boys, and welcome to the Kick-Ons podcast. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Great, boys. Uh, Oscar, we'll come to you first. Uh, what was your reaction yeah. uh, to being selected in the state squad? Yeah, um, it was obviously, like, great news and... I'm very grateful for the opportunity that's been given to us. Um, me and Darcy have worked hard over pre-season for Westies and the under-18s. And, um, yeah, it was a tough period. And, yeah, lucky enough to be selected from the games, the first six games we played. Yep. And, Darcy, what did you think, mate, when uh, you got the news? Uh, pretty similar to Oscar. You know, I was a bit surprised at first, uh, you know, just, yeah, just shocked, I guess. But then... Was really excited by yesterday. Just thought, like, where actually get an opportunity to put my foot forward and show, hopefully, show my best, and you know, go from there. Beautiful lads. And we spoke to your under eighteen coach Paul Streetfield last week, and he said you both took uh, different paths to get here over the past few years. Uh, Dust, maybe you go first. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came through the talent pathway to the under eighteen uh, under eighteen state team? Uh, yeah, well, started at Berry, played all my juniors there. I think it wasn't to about under-15s where I got invited out to the talent programs at Westies. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, went through the 15s, 16s and was lucky enough to get picked in the 18s. Where At my first year, I didn't really play much footy there. was kind of at college more. But, yeah, I really I got to advance my game at college a lot. And then this year it really helped going back to Westies and then, yeah. Beautiful. And uh, Oscar? Yeah, um, went through the junior ranks at Berry um, Football Club um, with Darcy. Um, started at a young age, um, just Berry, I was kicked from all the way up to under 15s. And 
Um, yeah, been involved with West Adelaide um, since I think, yeah, under 15s, under 14s, then um, went through under 15s, uh, Wesley's country and um, under 16s, was lucky enough to be in that. And then that went to straight to under 18s, which is a big step up and lucky enough to do that as bottom age. Um, and then, yeah, now in the under 18s for them. And yeah, I've not, we've known Shreddy for a long time and um, was lucky enough to make the move to Adelaide at PAC. So I played majority of my footy there. Um, the footy there just, yeah, it's good, both good leagues and um, college footy prioritises over Westies. So yeah, majority of the games were at college, but nah, under 18s now enjoying it. Now, uh, the first game uh, is at uh, Thebiton Oval against the Allies on Sunday, June 19. Look, boys, there's going to be some AFL clubs uh, watching over this one, but how do you put that aside and calm your nerves uh, to take on big games like this? Um, I think being relaxed is key um, and obviously having confidence and building confidence can be, you know, it's just being at training and just building relationships with your teammates and, um, getting to know how they play and um, just getting getting let into the game um, can build your confidence, you know, getting early touches and stuff like that can boost your confidence. And um, I think, yeah, just being relaxed, just most important going to games like that. Uh, yeah, very similar to Oscar. Uh, yeah, being relaxed and focused on what's in front of you, really. But kind of as you get t- more towards the moment, you kind of just forget about all of that, like clubs and everybody watching and you just kind of, Focusing and zero in on the game, and yeah, after that, it's just about playing your game and not worrying about what everyone else is doing. Just sticking to team structures and all of that, and yeah, hopefully, just the rest will take care of itself. So you don't really worry about it in the moment. Excellent, boys. So from memory, so Oscar, you obviously you were fairly sort of hard running. Uh, Wingman type player back in the day is that still the case? And Darcy, you were more, um, you know, that, that tall sort of bloke that could play, you know, either Rand, a little bit of ruck as well. Is that still the case for you, lads? Um, well, the past few years I've been playing as like third tall, um, and for school, center half back, so That's it was a bit different. Um, and then last year I was training with the midfield a bit and just learning how to play wing and. Um, this season I was lucky enough to play wing um, I think that really gave me the opportunity to get selected into this side um, that's where I play my best footy and um, yeah hopefully I stay there uh, yeah I'm still like not 100% on a position that suits me best but I feel like yeah I can kind of play uh, wherever the coach shows me really and yeah hopefully I can just find a position soon both of you have older brothers uh, back at Berry, uh, playing in the seniors. Uh, do you keep uh, track of how they're travelling each week? And they're travelling pretty all right so far in uh, this season. Yeah, um, Hugo, Hugo's going well at Berry. Um, we keep in touch a fair bit, um, you know, each week. And uh, Berry's going all right. They've won a few games, and um, hopefully they'll be top four contenders this year. Yep, and uh, Darcy, uh, your brother uh, Patrick uh, was uh, thereabouts on the weekend. Uh, has he given you any advice in your footy career to date so far? Uh, he tries to, but I tend not to listen to him. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> A bit of brotherly love. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But no, yeah, we always try and keep in touch, just see how he's going. You know, it's good to keep in touch with your home team and all of that. 
hopefully they have a good year and play finals footy and all of that. We like Hugo Krieger, don't we, Lanty? Because he gave us the uh, dirt on the roaming pig Tom Finlay last week. So oh. we're, we're a big big fan of Hugo's work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for both of you, let's uh, maybe Darcy can go first. Who, who are your biggest influences coming through the ranks at Berry? Obviously, you played all your junior footy there. Uh, currently, I ha- say I had like one main influence. It was kind of just the A-grade squad. You know, you'd always just kind of strive to be as good as them or strive to be up at their standard of football in the juniors. And you'd always want to be in that group or training with the group or just around the group because they were just such good leaders and kind of taught you how to play the game, I guess. And Oscar? Yeah, um, no, all of them have a big influence. It's a great community at Berry And um, so, yeah, same as Darcy. As a junior, we, we always just, you know, train with them and during pre-season and in-season. And, um, yeah, they set the tone and they always want to be the best as they can. And, um, yeah, they, they definitely just set the tone at training. Yep. And, uh, boys, I'll uh, put it to both of you here on your on your way through your football development uh, coming out of under 15s at the country championships did you actually learn anything from <laughs> from my co-host here who was the you, coach you flog <laughs> <laughs> no yeah um, Nick was a good coach um, <laughs> yeah it was oh, it was a few years back but um, yeah we uh, we went all right, I think. Did yeah, we? we won. Well, I think we won one out of our three games, didn't we? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, uh, no, we, we, we played well, and yeah, yeah it, was no, good, it was a good comp. You boys weren't too bad. I was trying to keep you under control for most of the time. Yeah. Darcy, Darcy was a bit of a handful. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> all good fun though. Well, boys, uh, we wish you all the best, and because uh, there's uh, a big program coming up uh, for this 40 uh, man squad that's been selected. Um, South Australia will host uh, Victoria Country at Thebanon Oval on Sunday, June 26, and Western Australia on Sunday, July 24, uh, with only the only inter- interstate match being up against uh, Victoria Metro in Geelong on Sunday, July 17. So, boys, thank you for joining us on the Kick-Ons podcast. Congratulations on the selection and uh, go get them. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks for coming us. on, boys. You too. <laughs> <laughs> I should think you're going to bring it up. <laughs> well, on that note, Dillo, we should dive into our round review from round four from the weekend, mate. And uh, we'll start with what was tipped as being game of the week. And, uh, well, it was uh, to start out there. Uh, Berry versus Renmark down at RFL headquarters, mate. And uh, I'll tell you what, that was a blistering first quarter, but uh, the Rovers got the measure in the end. Yeah, they did. And, uh, yeah, blistering first quarter. I think we spoke about it um, earlier uh, about how accurate both teams were, and and uh, but Remark obviously able to pull away as the game wore on. Um, I think you mentioned as well off air that uh, Luke Teasdale um, injured himself. Is that correct? Yeah, he did. He pulled was pretty up. early. Yeah, yeah, he pulled up uh, quite early in the piece actually, and uh, went uh, off and spent some time on the uh, trainers bench there. Uh, and yeah. And wasn't seen for the rest of the game, so quite unfortunate um, for Berry's midfield there. But they were still uh, up and about and filled filled the gap uh, quite well. Matty Hodge and Jake Eagle doing some great work there in the middle. Um, but yeah, uh, look, we we hope we see uh, Teaser back uh, because he's just an exciting player. 
Yeah, and you wonder how much impact that has on the game as well. He's the sort of player that can, you know, his influence can uh, buy you maybe one or two extra goals a game and maybe stop the opposition from uh, kicking one or two as well. So, you know, him being out there and, and just having that influence in the midfield in and under um, you know, could, could have been, you know, brought that game right back to, um, you know, it was five or six goals. It could have been a lot closer than that in the end. Yeah, it indeed, uh, especially, um, yeah, coming off that opening uh, stands are there, but uh, look, Renmark, their zone must just be intimidating to face down because I'll tell you what, once they started uh, imposing themselves on the demons, like unfortunately, they just started making little mistakes around their defense just with uh, you know, short chips, uh, in kicking around in circles, and just yeah, just errors were forced on them, and the the Rovers hardly lifted a finger. Yeah, it does make a big difference when you can, when you're so set. You know, and they have had such a pretty well set team over the last few years, and they all know their roles. Um, they don't have to uh, work as hard because of that, and um, you know, that, that makes a massive difference for them. They've got so many guys now with great experience. Even the young fellas coming in now, they're able to come in, learn their role if they don't know it already, but in, in an experienced side as well, Lindsay, which makes a huge difference. If they're coming in and trying to learn a role in a team that's struggling, they can you can get a little bit lost along the way, but having those experienced guys around them is, is huge for their development. And on that experience, we mentioned, um, I, I've been mentioning of uh, Zach Gartry, Zach 2.0. He's just come back leaner. You know, he looking great in the ruck and around the ground. But I've got to say, the last couple of weeks, Trevor Thorpe has found another gear. Now, I'm not sure what software update he's on uh, at his point in his career, but watching Thorpe, um, his leg speed is just phenomenal at the moment. Yeah, I didn't watch the game. I haven't watched the game from the weekend yet, but the week before, I thought exactly the same thing. He um, just started to find the footy again, creating that running carry off halfback at when you've got someone off halfback that's able to have that leg speed, like you mentioned, and, and really break the lines, it's huge. Now, they've got some really good kicking power back there. You know, guys like Fraser Sampson who can hit targets really well. Now, he provides a bit of run, but it's that explosive pace that Trev brings to the, to the game. Um, that can be a real game changer for them and something that's, you know, obviously a huge addition for them. Um, you know, that he's back to his best. And I saw him chase down one of the very young guns uh, from a good 10 metres back. And laid laid a tackle on him. Uh, it, it just amazing, uh, Trev, uh, to see him out there at, at this point in time. And I, um, yeah, I didn't mention the score actually when I introed the game. So uh, yeah, Renmark getting the win there, uh, 10-11-71 to Berry six six forty two. Now uh, another game that was actually very very close and a great contest to watch. I thought was uh, the Barmer and Loxton game. Uh, Loxton getting up there, thirteen ten eighty eight to Barmer Monash eight nine fifty seven. That um, yeah, loving watching this Barmer side play at the moment. But Loxton as well, oh, they just. Uh, you could tell that they were not going to let this one slip from the get-go, but it took them a little while to get started because uh, the ruse came out the blocks pretty early. Yeah, I think it's probably one of those games where obviously the better side won on the day, but they were made to work for it, which is which is great to see. You know, we've we thought at the start of the year that they were, were probably going to be a, a top three and, and maybe you know, very hopefully pushing up in that top four, but. Barman Monash and Locks North have shown that they are going to be competitive or more than competitive this season. And you look at the quarter by quarter scores, and 
Oxen's only beaten them by um, a goal or two goals or, um, you know, there's one quarter that Barber won Ash one as well. So that's that's really good signs for the competition, really good signs for the Roos that they're, they're playing some some great footy. And uh, But, yeah, Loxton got the win. You know, that's what you've got to do against uh, a team that's below you on the ladder. You've still got to go out there and get the win. And sometimes that can be more difficult than it seems. Um, you know, the players can be a little bit you know, um, relaxed in the lead-up and, and maybe not as focused as they should be. But, um, obviously, Dylan's got them pretty focused and... Um, Jesse Will apparently had an absolute uh, blinder on the weekend. Fantastic day. Yeah, Brandon Tregegel as well. Good to see him kick a few goals. I was lucky enough to coach him as a a real young fella. He played a couple of senior games for me when he was, I think, only 15 or 16, and he's a great kid. So um, good to see him up and about. Yeah, and uh, also uh, we should mention uh, for the Roos as well, young Aidan Hodgson, who's uh, come up from the 18s, uh, made his – a-grade debut and accounted for himself quite well. Uh, I, I just happened to notice some great tackling pressure. Uh, so well done to Aiden there, really helping out. Um, started out forward, then I think he went up into the mid there. So, um, yeah, yeah, just great signs for the ruse that these young young guys are having a go. Yeah, I can't remember if it was Gilgs or whether it was Mixed Cordo a couple of weeks ago when we chatted to him. Um, I think he, that one of those guys mentioned Aiden as a potential uh, A-grade debutant this year, so great to see. Uh, Michael Mock, what did you think of him, mate? He played centre-half back the week before, and I thought he uh, played pretty well against Wakery. Um, I see he kicked a couple of goals, though. Yeah, he did, uh, actually. Uh, I noticed him running in uh, from half-forward a few times taking some marks, uh, just getting really in and amongst it. He showed signs of that against Wakery, but just starting to look a little bit more comfortable now. So you just hope to, you know, just see him progress. And you, I could actually hear in the um, in the footage uh, some, uh, some encouragement coming from the sidelines. And, you know, so he must be really on the radar of the fans already. Yeah, that's good to see. And they did need somebody to come in, a, you know, a tall player that can read the play really well like he does. Um, yeah, and once again, a bit similar to um, uh, you know what we spoke about with those Remark guys, having those experienced players in the side will you know, help these young kids um, immensely. Will Gucci as well, uh, another great game uh, from him. Uh, really at, at the coalface, every contest he was there, getting plenty of uh, touches as well. So very, uh, very comprehensive game, I thought, for him. Probably some Willis medal votes in there, I, I would think. Yeah, excellent. Good to see. He's a great young player. Always well, not not as young as he, uh, yeah, as um, I think sometimes. Sometimes I still remember him as a young fella coming through the ranks. But obviously, um, he's gone down, spent that time at Westies, and come back to the Tigers now. Yep. So Loxton there, uh, proving that they can get the business done, uh, which was uh, really good to see them uh, grind that one out. Uh, and the final game of the round, uh, Wakery 13-7-85 got uh, the better of the Panthers, 6-14-50. And uh, we'll talk to him a little bit later uh, about what he thought, but a bag of eight to Matt Spensley, just resting up there in the forward. Yeah, it's pretty handy, isn't it? <laughs> when you rest up forward and, and you can snag eight. And the fact that Wakery have the luxury to be able to do that with, with Matty, um, and, you know, Jake spent some time up forward as well, uh, the, the two of them. And they've got just so many options, a bit similar to Remark in that respect, where they can throw blokes around and they can just do it, you know, um, play a different role for them and and still perform. So they're in a really good spot, Wakery. For the Panthers, you know, there's probably still plenty to, plenty to like about probably their performance in closing the gap to these encounters from last season. Um, Tyson Kent, uh, three goals in there as well. Young Caleb Coney as well. That 
saw him start to impose himself a little bit more. Um, took a great mark actually uh, the week previous. Um, mm. So starting to get comfortable with his uh, role in the team there as well. So look, uh, just uh, I just feel like they're, they're they're building up to something, and it it could be in the next few weeks. Yeah, I think they'll definitely get a win at some stage this season. It's, it's funny you mentioned Caleb Coney because I was talking about him to Sherps during the week just over text message and saying that, you know, he's got something special about him. Um, he's not going to be the bloke that's going to get you 20, 30 touches, but he's, gonna, he's got some something special about him. You mentioned um, that Mark and um, I saw the same one and I, I thought, wow, this kid's, um, this kid goes okay, but it'd just be a matter for him of, of building some consistency there. Well, that's our roundup of the RFL for round four. So let's uh, move the spotlight across to independent football. And uh, look, a very, very close one here. Uh, and saying last weekend, I thought it might have been a bit of an aberration on Wunker's behalf and they've bounced back from that uh, from that crushing defeat. And uh, yeah, they've uh, got up over the reigning premiers in Ramco, uh, Wunker 9-12-66 to Ramco 9-10-64. So, uh, yeah, the dogs back on the rebound. Yeah, and had to do it the hard way. They came from behind, uh, down by 16 at three-quarter time and charged home with four last-quarter goals. Um, I know, I'm not sure about Ramco, but I think, I'm pretty sure they were actually they were undermanned and, and so were Wanka. So probably not the best indication of where both clubs are at, but still um, a nice little confidence booster for the, for the doggies and... Um, you know, Tyson Renshaw kicked four goals. He's having a great year for the, for the Dogs. Um, he's been up and about in the uh, in the MVP voting, and um, which is great to see. Former Berry footballer, Tyson Renshaw. So, um, but yeah, great for Wunker's confidence. You're absolutely right, mate. After what was a you know a pretty ordinary effort the week before. Yeah, and from what we are hearing out of the kennel, look, there has been some personnel changes, but the core group has stuck together, and they're you know, still getting the job done, which is uh, which is great to see and keeping this season on track because it can be a little bit upsetting, uh, those types of scenarios where, um, you know, you think you've got your side locked down and things move around, but, hey, that's football, isn't it? And the Bulldogs are responding. And they also expelled the Demons of last year where they obviously went to Ramco for the prelim final, got absolutely poleaxed down there and what was – Probably their worst game of the year in, in the prelim, but um, to go down there and get the uh, get the win this time um, is huge for their confidence. So the next game of the round, uh, kind of a result we kind of thought might might eventuate here. Uh, BSR being the measuring stick of the competition this year, and they were just too good for the Bombers. 17-16-118 to seven seven forty nine down there at Peruna Oval, but interestingly. The Bombers put on a massive last quarter, which was great to see. Yeah, good to see they didn't didn't give up the fight. You know, they were down by a fair bit at three quarter time. Still, though, it's it's still big improvements on where they were in t- two thousand and twenty one, and even prior to that. So, you know, the, against a top team like this, it was it was going to get be a big blowout in previous years. But they've managed to you know show some fight at the end, uh, hold the Redbacks up. I know the Redbacks had a couple out. I'm not sure how Brownswell were. Situated as far as their side goes, but great to see him see him show some fight. But Matty Clark once again stamping himself as one of the stars of the competition since he's come into the BSR lineup. He's been he's been terrific. So um, just a, a jet in the midfield there. So great to see him playing some really good footy for the uh, for the Redbacks, mate. Yeah, and also a few bags to uh, Jacob Verrill uh, with four and Richard Hartley uh, three uh, to go with uh, 
Matty Clark's two, and a few singles there. Andrew Bysey, uh, who drifted up uh, from last season, playing down back into the front. So we're seeing a little bit of that uh, with with the Redbacks this year, a bit of a change-up. We spoke with Alex Zadow, who's yes. uh, migrated up forward, uh, our uh, our foundation fan of the Kick-Ons podcast. He was named on the wing on the weekend. I don't know if he played there, but surely Zads doesn't have the fitness to be playing on the wing. Wow, that that's uh, yeah, that's an out-the-box decision, so... <laughs> Wow! Yeah, I'm, I'm just putting the heat on Zad's there because he's told us himself he's, he's not that fit. But uh, yeah, that's uh, an interesting one. So hope, hopefully he did get up on the wing and got a few kicks and got around the footy. Indeed. So uh, the Redbacks continue on their merry way. And uh, down at the, uh, the, the the Ponderosa at Paringa there, uh, Sedan Cambrai, uh, too strong down there, defeating the Swans. 17-18-120 uh, to the Swans, 11-15-81. But the big thing out of this for the Swans that I like to see, the fridge, he's yes, back. The, the big fella kicked a few goals and uh, good to see him back at, uh, at the uh, at the Swans where he's um, he's played a lot of good footy over a lot of years. But it's an interesting game, Lonzi. Like the, if Pringer kicks straight in that first quarter um, and, and gives themselves a bit more of a chance, that second quarter they absolutely blitzed. Then Canberra kicked five yeah. goals to none, and um, it was only through uh, obviously a big response at half time. The boys must have got a bit of a spray from coach Chris Eaton. Um, and the Magpies came out and kicked nine goals to four. What a quarter that would have been to see 13 goals, yeah. Kicked. Um, but a very competitive effort from Paringa, who had some of their star players out that didn't have Sam Fran. Um, I think there was a couple others out as well. Um, yeah. Chris Gardner was absolutely on fire from all reports, and you know, the old fella up, up in the forward line. Good to see him playing um, playing some great footy up there, but um, I think the Swans would be reasonably happy with that competitive effort, and hopefully they can build from from here. So there we go. That's our look at independent football for the week. And to wrap up our review, let's get to the RFLW because uh, some good news for Loxton North. They have kicked their highest score ever. <laughs> I'm absolutely sure. I'm going to go out on a limb there, Dillo, but... Uh, they just went down uh, to Wakery, uh, 9-5-59 to 5-5-35. So, well done to the uh, the Panther girls. Yeah, definitely be up there with one of their highest scores ever. It's, it's hard from memory to think of um, maybe in the first season they might have got more, but I, I can't think of any. Hopefully, well, maybe they can let us know if they have kicked higher, but well done to them. And if you take out that first quarter, Linesy, it's a pretty close game. Um, they've got to be happy with that, that obviously – uh, Eddie Hogg's built on that squad that he's got out there with a lot more players, a lot more depth now. Um, great to see Tessie um, Mitchell playing some really good footy, only, only a youngster, but um, she's been up and about for the first three or four rounds. Uh, but Wakery, you know, they, they needed the win after a, a couple of losses. Um, so great to see them snag the win. Jess Oakley playing some great footy too for the Magpies. And in the other game, Barry going about their business in quite winning fashion as always and uh, they were just uh, yeah too good for Renmark uh, 10767 to Renmark one goal one um, interesting on the uh, there's a mystery player on the on the play HQ data this weekend that kicked a bag of goals for Barry 
Well, I can tell you who that is because it's coming up in mine. I might have a bit higher level of access here, ah, uh, Lighty. <laughs> the real it stats. Was, <laughs> yeah, it was Stacey Geyer who kicked eight goals. So, oh. uh, well done to Stacey. Um, obviously, she's been playing some really good footy up forward for a number of years for the Demons. But I think we've we've seen really that there's a, a strong pecking order now, isn't there? Barry are the team to beat. They certainly are. And I had a sneaking suspicion it might have been Stacey Geyer, but I didn't want to... Uh, yeah, fly off the handle too quickly there. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> well done there, Dillo. So, yeah, it's Stacey Guy amongst the goals once again. So that is Riverland football for this week, round four completed across the competitions. And let's digest all of that and a few other footy topics. So let's move along here on the Kick-Ons podcast. And, uh, look, we're welcoming back uh, one of our most valued team members. He's uh, been in the sick bay for the last week, uh, had a bit of a round of the spicy cough, uh, but he seems to have shaken that off now. We're glad to have him back on his home deck. He's our man in the special comment seat here on the Kick-Ons podcast, thanks to MB Rollerdoors. Liam Jackson, mate, it's great to see you back. Yeah, hey, boys, how are you? We've got a sponsor now. Yeah, yeah. We do, mate. Must be your influence. <laughs> oh, let's go. They, they wanted to back a show with Star Power, and we just mentioned your name. <laughs> Ah, yeah, love that, love that. (laughs) Well, mate, um, look, we're four rounds in uh, to season 2022, the RFL. Look, top to bottom, uh, does this look like one of the closer seasons we've seen in recent years? What do you reckon? Oh, it'd have to be, yeah. Um, You'd almost go as far to say as almost anyone could win it, I guess. Um, And uh, I know know, uh, a couple of weeks ago um, before I – Pulled a sickie. Um, I I said that Locks and uh, Wakery and Remark were probably the teams to beat. And um, that Thursday night, Frank Sampson pulled me up. He goes, "Oh, I reckon, I reckon Barrier, they they'll be all right. Especially by the time the season finishes, I reckon once everything clicks, they'll be real good." And then they knocked off Loxon and um, yeah, <laughs> and they look real good against Remark for the first half. I watched a bit of that uh, in ISO on the weekend. So yeah, that was. Good to watch. Yeah, oh, and, and North were as well the the week before against um, against Remark. I thought North played played some really good footy at times and had Remark on the back foot. Yeah, they're they're a bit of a bogey team for Remark as a as a bit of a rule, um, especially t- up until half time. They're nearly always in the game. Um, mm. Just yeah, tough. Just play tough footy. Um, yeah, just as like they've done for the last. 20 years, I, f- I feel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I was down there at RFL headquarters and that that first quarter was uh, had a real buzz about it and, you know, it was, uh, well, no points. Like, you know, both teams were like bang on in that first term and I thought, here we go. But then Renmark, just those old hands, just started pressuring uh, the Demons into some mistakes, I thought. Yeah, yeah, very, very come to play. It was um, really exciting, like, play. Real high tempo, high pressure game, and it's it's hard to to do that for four quarters. Um, but um, yeah, I think they would have been obviously would have liked to get the win, get a bit closer or whatever. But they would have been pretty happy with what they dished up. I would have thought just what they're doing is working. They just need to be able to do it for four quarters. Obviously, Loxton bounced back against uh, against the Roos, and they've got the big clash this weekend in the Russell Ebert tribute game, mate, on the Sunday against Wakery. How do you see that one uh, shaping up? Poor, oh, that's that's hard to tip that one. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
yeah, it's hard to get tip against Wakery ever, I feel. But um, yeah, it'll just come down to who plays well. If uh, if Matt Spencer can kick eight snags, then I guess that'll win. Um, yes, yeah, so, yeah, good players play well. You're obviously a lot, lot closer winning than your opposition. Captain Obvious there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why we bring you on the show, mate, for these beautiful insights. <laughs> uh, look, mate, uh, we're it, it's still a bit of a talking topic at the moment, but we missed out getting your take on it last week. And look, sprays. <laughs> <laughs> Just to kick it off here, mate. Look, uh, have you ever been on the end of one or have you given one? And can you share it with us? Um. Uh, I'm sure I've given a couple to a few umpires that uh, aren't a fan of me anymore. But um, <laughs> uh, I copped a few from Matty Martinson back when he was he was coaching. Um, yeah. What was it for? Can you give us a bit of context? Did you not, not put pressure on or something like that? Or would have been that miss not not tackling. He actually he gave me a bit of a spray one time for uh, not tackling like Ryan Nichols, and he's. <laughs> And he he don't argue to me or something. And he goes, don't let him push off you like that. Like, he'd push a tree out of the ground. Like he is a man. Like there is no way in the world I'm tackling him. But yeah, no, he wasn't. He was wound up and wasn't having it. But um, yeah, no, he, he gave me a couple. I think I was his I was his whipping boy for a bit there. Um, yeah, not not you, not chasing, not doing anything right. <laughs> are you one of those blokes that can take the spray, or do you sort of fire up and fire up at the coach and get stuck back? Back into them, or uh, oh, Maddie was a bit different because he, um, I've get on pretty well with Maddie, so I normally say something sort of sm- half smart ass and <laughs> pop it again. So um, <laughs> get the double whack. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But um, yeah, no, no, nothing really comes to mind. I know Percy gave like the whole team a spray when I was probably seventeen or eighteen. I'm still playing under 18s as well. Um, I think there was about six or seven of us in the A grade side that were juniors, and he just he said to, my old man was the assistant coach. And he said just just take them and go have a bit of a chat with them. And then as soon as we got out the door and the door shut behind us, old Percy's just let loose on them. We were losing by 150 points at half time. Yeah, not a good time. <laughs> how'd, how'd Percy go with that? Because Percy used to struggle to get his words out half the time when he was oh. when he was coaching. <laughs> Yeah, I was. I was no very issues happy. that day. I was very happy to be on the other side of the door, uh, <laughs> getting the talking to from the from the old boy. Just saying, keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old boys copped a a bit of an earful. Yeah, and obviously all this sparked off with the uh, the story getting out with David Noble there and with uh, North Melbourne. But look, you know, uh, in in the modern day, people are sometimes a bit more sensitive or or whatnot. But you still think they have a place in uh, in footy? Yeah, I reckon, but you just can't overuse it. If you overuse it, it's just you just get yelling at them. Um, you sort of got to, like my old man always used to say, you, you probably have two or three a year. If you do it more than that, they'll just be like, oh, he's yelling at again. He's just yelling again. Whereas if you sort of strategically use them throughout the one or two throughout the year, um, you can just get a bit more of a uh, an effect. Definitely, mate. We spoke to Terry Lefty last week. Uh, and uh, he was he was a big fan of them still, so it's uh, it's a bit more of an old school thing, I think. But what about uh, not North Melbourne? But what about your mob mate, Essendon? How shit are they going? <laughs> yeah, 
Thanks for not sugarcoating it for me. Uh, <laughs> well, there's not much to sugarcoat. They're pretty ordinary at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we we played one good quarter in the last week before, <laughs> and um, yeah, beat the team that everyone thought was going to win the spoon. So um, no, nah, we're <laughs> we're pretty ordinary. Um, if if I had uh, if I had Clarko's number, I'd be ringing it. <laughs> Absolutely. From what I'm hearing, there might have been a phone call already uh, from uh, coming out of that match. A um, bit of heat on Rutt and, and Dyson Heppel for uh, not uh, pulling the boys up for getting around Dylan Shield there before uh, halftime when he copped that uh, bit of a uh, how you going from uh, that Sydney player. What was um, – you mentioned him. Parker. Luke Parker. That's the one. Yeah, yeah mate. Um, Look, you know, if it was on your terms, would you expect your charges to get around you? Um, oh, I'd, I'd hope so because, um, yeah, I've, a lot of my career is I've been hoping that people back me up. <laughs> <laughs> Done it, yeah, talk the talk, not so good at walking the walk. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Dyson Heffel, I think he's just the nicest bloke that's ever lived. And, um, no, nah, she'll be right, just isn't quite cutting it at the minute. So, um, yeah, he's, he's copping it left, right and centre from after that on the couch uh, interview. Mm. But, um yeah, no, there's a, a lot of work to do. I, I'm, yeah, if I if I knew how to fix it, I wouldn't probably wouldn't be here sitting talking to you boys. I'd be <laughs> <laughs> working at the AFL club. <laughs> if if you had to pick someone, LJ, to like to come in and back you up in that situation, of all the teammates that you've played with, if you're so you're Dylan Shield and you, of all your teammates, so who who would you want to come in and fly the flag for you? Um, well, definitely, definitely not Frank Sampson. Um, <laughs> Um, it, ha- it has to be Jake Wennon, uh, moved away recently, but he um, cop, so he, he knows what he's doing. Yep. And um, he's, yeah, I'd, if, I'd, if I'd a dollar for every time he saved me ass, I reckon I'd, yeah, <laughs> I'd have a fair bit of money. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might have gone uh, Brady Merch from the other 13 days, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, he probably would have got confused and punched me. Um, <laughs> um, any of the Austin boys are also that pretty, pretty handy. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Jack and Jack and Dane were having a bit of a crack at someone in the forward pocket on the weekend, and yeah, it's just just good good to watch. They're two big boys as well. Yeah, um, wait till the other one gets in there. There's three of them. Yeah. Oh. Uh, triple triple trouble. Yeah, yep. I've, yeah, I feel sorry for everyone already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially the commentators with all these Wolfords and uh, now all these Austins <laughs> yeah. getting around. Yeah, <laughs> but mate, um, yeah, no. Got your work cut out for you there. Yeah, that's it. But, mate, the big one this weekend, uh, massive, massive uh, game down at uh, Loxton Oval for the Russell Ebert tribute match. Will you be getting down there? Um, yeah, well, I'll get out of ISO Friday, I reckon. Um, so I'll, I'll be heading down to the down to the Mallee and either watching or playing, depending on <laughs> how, how I go, how, if I can still run after Two weeks in isolation. Well, one week in isolation. One week it has been crook. <laughs> More uh, importantly, hopefully, be able to taste those uh, those beers at the end of the game, mate. You get your sense of taste back. Yeah, oh, it might be dangerous if I can't taste them. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> well, mate. Uh, yeah, uh, we hope you uh, get a speedy recovery and you're out of uh, ISO by the end of this week and uh, back out and about. So, uh, mate, it's been great to have you. Back here on your home ground at the Kick-Ons podcast. Uh, cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, who's, who's our sponsor again? M- MB Roller Doors, mate. Oh, love a good roller door.
Absolutely. <laughs> we certainly do. Liam Jackson there, our special comments man here on the Kick-Ons podcast brought to you by MB Roller Doors. Now, Dillo, we've examined every facet of round four. Let's have a look at our awards. But just before we do, we also need to do a big shout out to... Terry L.F. Theriatis, uh from the Greek Street Eats van there, um, making his appearance uh, on the uh, Facebook Marks, uh, sorry, on the Marks Up Facebook page this week, Dillo. He, he did. It was good to catch up with Lefty. We always end up, uh, every time we catch up, a 10-minute chat always turns into about an hour, So, um, but always good to catch up with a great man and, and talk footy and he sort of gave us his insight into uh, what he's seen in Riverland footy so far. I'm not sure if you saw the end, Linesy, where we you get through the end credits and uh, when we've got the sponsors' logos come up. Did you see the end bit with uh, with Terry on there? No, no, you, that one snuck past me, mate. You, you have to go back and have a look. It was uh, Terry in his element um, just uh, showing his inner, inner teenager coming out. And <laughs> right. just, just a bit of an outtake that we put in there. <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, that must-watch viewing and uh, maybe some uh, special content for our Marks Up followers there to uh, have a look on the uh, on our Facebook page there, perhaps. Most definitely, mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into it, mate, because we love this award because it is the most tastiest of awards and it's Lefty's Greek Street Eats Riverland MVP. Yes, and uh, just like his delicious cuisine, Lefty has put up a delicious cash prize of $500 for the winner. So it's great to have Lefty on board. It certainly is because we love a Lefty's, don't we, Dillo? Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> And just before we get to the votes, mate, did you get a Dillo special from Lefty? No, I didn't get one last week. I can't remember why. I, I meant to get one, but for some reason I think uh, I got held up or didn't get down there. So, um, so when I caught up with him, he was uh, it was his day off. That might have been why I reckon. So, I'll get one eventually because I'm due, well overdue for oh, one. It look, is delicious. You look like you're fading away, mate. You better go get. <laughs> That's the first time anyone said that to me, mate, so thank you. <laughs> well, let's dive into it, mate, and uh, how's it all shaping up this week? The big move was Matty Spensley uh, from Wakery. Obviously, kicked the eight goals against North, and he pulled the perfect 10. Uh, so he's moved on to 30 votes, so he's our right leader now. Um, 10 votes in front of the next uh, um, group of three, which is Will Gucci from Loxton on 20, uh, Tyson Kent from Loxton North as well, and Jake Smith from Barmer Monash. So Matty's taken a pretty commanding lead there. Um, eight goals will do that, Lonzi. He's, um, he's done well. And just a question I've got about the leaderboard. How many Wolfords are in there? Well, we've got three in there. Uh, we've got Maddie's in fifth spot on 19, Dan Wolford not far behind him on 14, and Tim's on 13. So the, uh, the three lads are up and about, that's for sure. And I'll mention that because during the week, a comment popped up on the Marks Up Facebook page from Berry Premiership Captain Missy Blank saying, let's see a Wolford trifecta. Next week, all three will poll votes. So did they? Mm. Yeah, so... Two of the boys got in there. We missed out on one. So Maddie Wolford polled eight and Tim Wolford got five, but we couldn't quite sneak Dan in for the trifecta. But uh, Missy, who is one of our, I think also one of our biggest supporters um, here on the podcast, uh, she was nearly on the money there. But those three boys are having a great year. And across that centre line too, isn't it? It's wing, centre, wing. It's great to see Wolford, Wolford and Wolford. Yeah, yeah. So uh, well done to Missy. Two out of three ain't bad, I think we can say on the end of that one. Definitely. She's uh, she's called it there and gone down the limb, but she, yeah, she's um, nearly got the chocolates. Yeah. And also a bit of a uh, another comment uh, that popped up on the 
marks up Facebook page from uh, Henry Bruce on Jesse Will. 30 touches and four snags, only eight votes is a crime apparently. There was yeah. <laughs> is, is that a fair old game, Jesse? And uh, um, yeah, thirty touches and, and four goals. It's a, a good effort. We have to get the stats on that one to see if that thirty uh, adds up with what what we do, mate. But um, he's a uh, yeah, he's a quality player as well. So he polled the eight votes, um, and then the Barmer duo of Jake Smith and Mason Middleton got six each in that one. I think Will Gucci actually stole a few votes from him as well. His own teammate there. That might be it. Well, that there we go, mate. That is the lefties Greek street eats. Riverland MVP for another week. Let's scoot across and, uh, well, actually, no, we're going to zoom across to the Hoops Auto and Four-Wheel Drive Independent MVP Award. Make sure you zoom into Renmark Avenue to see Hoops, Trev, and the team to get all your auto spare parts and ARB four-wheel drive equipment. Trev and the team have put up a $500 ARB voucher for the Hoops Auto and Four-Wheel Drive independent MVP. So it's funny you mentioned zooming there with Trev because he did, obviously did a fair bit of zooming on the weekend with his uh, runoff halfback. So uh, no, great stuff from uh, Thorpey there. Um, yeah, so the MVP award for the independents. Uh, we have joint leaders now, Jack Parfitt from uh, Ramco, obviously uh, played his junior footy at Wakery, uh, polled well. He polled eight votes against Wanker on the weekend has now moved into the equal lead with Stan Cambray's Cam Thompson, who only polled the one against Paringa. So pretty tight at the top. And Cam Horseman from BSR, just one vote behind those guys. Tyson Renshaw from Wanka and Lee Verrill from Wanka, uh, only a couple of votes back as well. So pretty tight at the top in the uh, Hoops Auto MVP, mate. And um, great to see, uh, yeah, a few, bit of bit of change there in the leaderboard. A few guys, a few different guys getting votes. Indeed, mate. So, yeah, bit of a change up. Keeps things uh, spicy and fresh and all for, for us on onlookers and commentators. But... Let's get to the Bailey Bell Lavender Women's MVP. Check out owners Peter and Vicky's Facebook page to see their lavender oils and soaps. Now, they're putting up an $80 voucher for the winner, along with a whopping cash prize of $500. And great to see Paris Teast up atop the leaderboard again. Um, so, she, I think she started... Oh, round two, I reckon she's sitting on top. They had the buy last week and she's come out firing with a 10-vote performance um, in Barry's big win over Renmark. And uh, Stacey Guy kicked eight goals because I think he snagged five votes, which is quite interesting. Um, but Paris has developed a, a six-vote lead over Barmer Monash's Darcy Troy. Over in the other game, it was Jess Oakley from, from Wakery. She's polled uh, the perfect 10 as well to move up to 14. So she's an equal fifth. Uh, but Tessie Mitchell, as we mentioned earlier, uh, the youngster out at Loxton North, she's got... Uh, uh, eight votes there and is now in the top three on 21. So she's seven behind Paris. So there we go. That is the Bailey Bell Lavender and Oils RFLW MVP there, wrapping up our awards for another week. Well, Dillo, like we said at the top, this is a huge show. We've got a lot to fit in, so we better motor along to our next guest. And uh, earlier in the week, I caught up for this chat with Cam Suckley from the Port Adelaide Football Club. Well, it's going to be a huge day on Saturday. Plenty of football and emotion, remembering a legend of the game. So we've got something special for our Riverland Port Adelaide fans. And we've got Magpies captain Cam Suckley. Cam Sutcliffe, welcome to the Kick-Ons podcast. Thanks for having me on. Really excited about this weekend. Yeah, it's shaping up to be a big one. It's going to be a massive day, wall-to-wall football, um, starting early in the morning with the Super Dogs. Then we're into the um, – we got the A grade, then the big one uh, between Westies and Port. But uh, 
Look, mate, can we just, just kick off? How significant is it for the club to honour Russell Lee, but where it all started for him? Yeah, definitely. It's a huge occasion for the club, and yeah, we'll be we'll be treating it that way as well. We're going up there <coughs> to win the game. Clearly, um, play where Russ, you know, Russ was born in in Berry, and he played for Loxton. So to be able to play on um, the turf that Russ played on, and on a, on a, the man that he was, and hopefully playing the spirit that he played, is, is going to be an awesome day. Can you tell us a bit about like Russell's presence around the club for a, a player's perspective? And did you have any interactions with him? Yeah, I had plenty of interaction with him. So when I First came back from over in Western Australia. I was lucky enough to uh, work under him and be mentored by him in the community team. So um, he was a bit of a mentor for me throughout the, the years that he was with us. And um, awesome to have him as that mentor as well and then be able to talk footy on the plus side on the car trips out to the school. So plenty of time spent with Russ. Um, you know, he, was, uh, he had a very dry sense of humour at times, but he, yeah, great experience for me. Absolutely, mate. And um, we always remember he was a big uh, fan of the bakeries. Did he uh, stop into a few with you? <laughs> He's always claimed that his, uh, his favourite bakery has always been the Port Elliott one. So as everyone in uh, South Australia would be aware, that's a great bakery, but there wasn't a yeah, car trip where we didn't stop at one. He, he grabbed a sausage roll or uh, an iced coffee. So... Um, he definitely got me on that train. I had to watch my weight, though, unlike him. Um, I was still playing. Right, and, uh, yeah, so you spent uh, a bit of time getting out to the regions, uh, promoting Port Adelaide. On this occasion, though, it's going to be a huge spectacle. And can you tell us what it means uh, for the league clubs to bring footy out to the regions? Oh, well, definitely. We know how impacted um, community um, leagues have been by COVID and um, Port Adelaide and Adelaide haven't been able to get out to the regions as much throughout South Australia. Well, mate, Riverland Grounds are renowned for being quite big. And uh, when you came up earlier in the year for the announcement, um, yeah, what what did you think of the grounds? And like, do you think it's going to be a case who can adapt to the wide open spaces? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I guess looking at the ground when we came up, I think that was early February maybe, um, very wide ground. Uh Hopefully, because we have a lot of, I guess, AFL-listed players who are really fit, we can uh, utilise that space and break out into it and um, play the game that we want to play and um, score a fair bit. I think everyone wants to see a lot of scoring. And I think just, just getting up there to Loxton and seeing the new facility that they had as well, um, it seems like it's growing in that area and Loxton's got a really nice club. So... Looking forward to getting out there and hopefully putting on a show. Yeah, the precinct is a, uh, a very, very big deal and it's going to be on show. So uh, hopefully you guys can enjoy the facilities uh, while we're there. And, uh, mate, just to wrap up, how important is this game in the context of the season for the Magpies? Certainly a very big one for us. I know it's, a, it's probably a huge one for Westies as well. Um, both of us aren't travelling overly well or where we probably would have expected to be at this point in the season, but... Um, we've played some really good footy and we've just fallen short in a few games. So I don't think our best footy is far away. And hopefully now that we've got a bit of cattle back, um, we'll be able to you know, string a few together and hopefully push for finals. Well, Cam, thanks very much for joining us here on the Kick-Ons podcast. It's been great chatting with you and we wish you all the best and a safe trip up to the Riverland on the weekend. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. Port Adelaide Magpies captain Cam Sutcliffe there. It's going to be a huge weekend and great to hear some of his memories uh, that he was able to share of Russell Ebert with us there. Now, Dillo, we've been working on something uh, and we've been really, really pleased and it's great to hear everybody's interaction on the Marks Up Facebook page where we've been providing the stats. Now, our Marks Up Boffin analysts 
have delivered the stats that matter from round three. So, look, just bear with us that it does take a bit of time to get this out. But we would like to inject it into the show and have a bit of a chat about the stats here. But uh, we also just need to throw the caveat out there that because it takes a, a bit of work to get this done, we must also note that the first 10 minutes of the Ruse Magpies game from round three wasn't filmed. So we couldn't include those stats, but... Like we said, our Boffin analysts have been forensically through every other game, and uh, mate, let's uh, let's dive into it because we kind of uh, we are awarding dream team points as well uh, for all this. So this is going somewhere, but let's just have a look at where we sit at round three with the stats. Yeah, so some some interesting um, things have come out of it. The big one was Josh Fader's game where he's racked up 40 disposals. Um, you know, he had a, an absolute, he had the ball on the string against Loxton North and, and played um, a great coach's game out there. And, and that's reflected in his dream team points as well. He led the dream team points with, with 142. So 29 of his 40 disposals were kicks. Um, and great to see him up and about. The problem for Josh is, so in the lefties MVP award, he can only get votes from one side. He's not going to vote for himself. Well, he hasn't yet yeah. anyway. <laughs> so, you know, you think if you look at that, he, if he doubles the votes that he's got, potentially he's right up in the top three as well. So having a great year, votes. Um, but then there's some other juicy ones there, mate. I'm not sure if you've got any there that you s- sort of caught your eye. Yeah, the one that uh, a bit of a mover for me that I really liked was um, Ricky Garrett. Now, his game the previous week there in round three, um, had an absolute blinder. He was everywhere uh, in that game. And uh, interesting uh, hearing a comment on the uh, Marks Up Facebook page from Steve Carlon saying, ain't no one sleeping on Ricky Garrett that day. <laughs> <laughs> I think that has that got a little bit to do with, um, uh, is it Ricky, Ricky Jarrett from uh, Bowlers? Have you seen that show with The Rock? Actually, it I haven't caught be- that one yet. I've had I've heard good things about it, yeah. It, um, I don't know. That's that just sounds a little bit familiar. I, I have watched a few episodes of that, so it could be to do with that. But yeah, Ricky had an absolute belter in, in round three, and best game I've certainly seen him play. Um, second half really uh, turned it on, and um, yeah, it's great to see those uh, you know those kids really sort of well, they're not kids anymore, but those younger players at Renmark really starting to blossom and and take control of that uh, of that team. And in the kick department, again, uh, Josh Vader uh, right up there again uh, with 29 kicks in round three. And uh, a bit of a mover in uh, Sam Butterworth as well, really at the uh, the top there uh, with 23. And uh, this is this is one that I'm liking uh, seeing pop up in these stats is that Loxton North, Jack Obst, 22 touches in round three. So, you know, they're well in the conversation, aren't they, the, the Panthers players? Yeah, yeah, he had a, he had a great game. Um, well, twenty two kicks it was, so he had a few handballs too, um, and he had, took quite a, quite a few marks as well, eleven marks. So he had a, he had a fantastic game, one hundred nine dream team points. Um, if you we were playing dream team for the RFL, you'd, you'd absolutely lock him in as your second ruck. I think he's, uh, <laughs> he's having a great season. You probably get him pretty cheap from you know coming from that low base. But geez, what his his power of work in the first few rounds has been excellent. Yeah, it's been good stuff. Now, the battle of the tall timber. Now in the hit-out department. So it's an exclusive club uh, here. So we're going to see some familiar names pop up, but uh, it's going to be a great battle. And we're already seeing a great battle from round three between uh, Brody Thompson and Zach 2.0. Yeah, I mean, I think Brody is the clear leader when it comes to hit-outs. Um, 
you know, he's he's been dominating that stat since we, we've been uh, recording it. So, um, but I, I do like what Zach's doing. I think he would probably match Brody in as far as uh, hit us to advantage. I reckon they're probably both on par there. Um, but those two are probably yeah the two clear ones. It'll be interesting to see whether Mason Middleton was in third spot this week. Uh, sorry, in round three. Um, and yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he maintains that spot or they do push him up forward and, um, yeah, we, we see him drop down the order and maybe a Jordan Freeman pops up that list. But yeah, the uh, hit out's always a very interesting one, mate. And, but you can get all the hit outs in the world, but you've got to make sure you put them down your midfielder's throats as well, don't you? You do. That's right. And they've got to make that first disposal. And, uh, a man who is, very well adept to that is Luke Teasdale, who is leading the handballs at the moment. But interesting to see. We'll talk about this when we get to round four stats. Uh, but, yeah, in round three, uh, he actually matched that with some kicking, but his handball count was 18. Yeah, that's a that's a big day in the packs, isn't it? It is. Just uh, firing that footy out to his teammates. And Jake Spensley as well. Um, had a fair bit of footy. He had a lot of handballs, but I feel like that was because he was probably under more pressure than he normally was. I thought Barmer brought a real aggression to their game, and every time both he and Matt got the footy, uh, both the Spenceleys, there was a lot more pressure on them than normal. Credit to those boys; they were still able to get the um, you know the touches they got. Matty's ended up with thirty, and Jake twenty nine, and we and we still missed the first ten minutes of that that first quarter in round three. So it could have been a lot more than that potentially. Yeah, and um, especially uh, just back on uh, Luke Teasdale as well. That game was against Loxton, so some other big accumulators that he would have been up against that day as well. Um, you know, Will Gucci's in there. Uh, I don't think Lockie Evans was playing in that game, but still got John Fisher running around as well. So yeah, you know, yeah. So so well done to Luke there to get um, to get plenty of touches. And uh, my boy Jared B, he's in there as well. He had uh, he had twelve that week. And they, what I like is that they're good attacking handballs used to effect. Yep. And he uh, he kicks really well too, Jared. You know, he's an, obviously a very attacking player. Likes to take the play on and uh, and get around his opponent. But he's uh, he's having a great season as well. What about the tackles, mate? We've got a couple of locks of North boys up the top. Hugo Keller, who was outstanding in round three uh, with his defensive pressure. Eight tackles quite often uh, on some of the big boys. Um, and Sean Steer as well. Just I think he doesn't get a huge amount of the footy when he plays in the middle, but he does apply pressure in there. Yeah, it certainly does. And, you know, it saw those two blokes getting up from plenty of stoppages, uh, whole, you know, getting uh, wrapping up their, uh, their opponent. Uh, and uh, also uh, we're... we're uh, Matt Watkey's in there. Um, uh, you know, he's really, really come into the ruse as being that you know attack, but he can also defend as well. Look, look, and starting to reflect in his stats. Well, we like Matty Watkey, don't we? He's a <laughs> he's a kick-ons favourite. We'll talk about him soon. Yes, we certainly <laughs> will, mate. Well, let, let's get into it now that we've got this. Uh, that we're we're doing this. Uh, we, we're calling them. Uh, Dream stats. It's just uh, it's all going towards uh, us building a dream team at the end of the season. But just based on what we've got so far, um, let's just go club by club and give me your dream six. All right. So I've picked players, mate, that I feel these are players I really enjoy watching. So if we do, we'll do Barman Monash first, yeah? So in, in alphabetical yep. order. So my my guy from Barman Monash, we just mentioned him. I love Matty Wucky. Love the way he goes about it. Just a, in and under, tackles. 
you know, good goal sneak, a um, bit of any bets about Matty Wucky. And uh, as a coach, when you've got a small forward that applies that sort of pressure, that's that's just gold, gold to a coach. So I'm sure Gilg's is loving having him in the side. Now, I shouldn't have given you first uh, reply on this one because I would have loved to have had <laughs> Matty Wucky. And if this, were, if this was trade season, mate, I'd be throwing you as many, as much cash and picks as I could get my hands on. Uh, you think I think you'd have to throw me a few, mate. <laughs> what about you? Who, who's your guy from Barramundi? I've gone for uh, Ben Drogamola. Nice. Yep. On nice. on the basis of it's great accumulator, but also a very very tough in and under. And he, him, and Jake Smith are the start of it all for Barramundi. It was a bit of a uh, a coin flip for me, but I just went with with Ben because I just like his attack and his grittiness. Yeah, I love that. Great user of the footy too. So, uh, Berry Footy Club, mate. I've gone with, of course, I had to go the roaming pig, Tommy Finlay. <laughs> I love <laughs> the course. way he goes about it. You know, he <laughs> takes all of those marks across across half back, but then once again, you'll probably notice a theme in in my guys. They he loves to run forward, get um, get forward of centre half back, and and create. Um, takes on the game wherever he can. And I think in a Berry team, for a long, a lot of years have been a very defensive side. It's great to have someone doing that from, from the uh, the back lines, a bit like Saf does. I've gone for Matty Hodge simply because I like his, again, his toughness. I've got so far a bit of a theme like guys that are tough in the contest, you know, and able to bring- A couple of mids there. Able to bring the other players in to get things started. I really, really like that about Matty's game. And- uh, Look, um, I reckon over the few weeks we might see him starting to factor into our uh, dream stats chat. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. The more he gets acquainted with his uh, teammates, the, um, the the better he's going to be. Absolutely. So, Loxton, I've gone uh, Will Gucci. I love love the way he goes, but he's just a really good all round player. He, he gets kicks, he gets handballs. Um, he's a great tackler, really strong tackler as well. Um, as a as a midfielder, you know he's he's just the prototype mid. He's the guy that you want, you know, in and under, but can get it on the outside as well. Um, and as obviously as we we mentioned, um, he's been a great addition since coming back into that Loxton lineup. Certainly has. I've gone for Luke Harder. Now mm. I'm playing the numbers game here pretty hard. Look, he's a great player, but I tell you what, mate, like his first outing with Loxton in round one, forty touches. <laughs> and then yep. the the story continues, you know. Uh, we got eight goals in round three. So, look, I think he's a great player and a fantastic addition to Loxton. But if we're playing the numbers game here, I've got to have him on my side. No, fair call. He's, uh, he's definitely a talent, that's for sure. Uh, Loxton North, I've gone with Tyson Kent. Um, but similar to Tommy Finlay, like, just gets the footy and, and runs with, but obviously in a different role in that midfield uh, there. It's, his game's come on in leaps and bounds over the past couple of seasons. Um, but you know, every time he gets the football, he wants to take on the tackler. He wants to push through the lines and, and kick long. I'm a big fan of you know not mucking around with the handball if we can. We, if we can get the ball out to guys like Tyson that can run the footy, uh, let's get it out to them and let them do their thing. And he's not afraid to push forward and kick a goal either. So uh, he's my guy from North, mate. What about you? I've gone for Jack Obst. Now, Love it. in the, uh, the Renmark game, you know how sometimes when you first see a player and there's just something about him that just catches your eye? 
And for for me, it, it was yeah. There was just something about it. I, I couldn't put my finger on it at the time, but I just thought, yep, it's the hair. Um, it's got to yeah, be the hair. It could be, <laughs> but I'm more looking at his football ability. I can tell you that. Yes. And uh, look, I, you know, sometimes just gravitate towards a player, and you know, then seeing um, his numbers pop up here, which we just talked about. I'm just like, yep, I'm, I'm putting him in. I'm backing this fella. Yep, he's been a great. Uh, Sort of second option in in the ruck for them uh, when Matty Hample's having having a spell, but down back he's been um, he's been really valuable. Uh, red mark for me, I've gone with Fraser Sampson. Um, LJ has given him a bit of a whack uh, in his section, but um, <laughs> I love the way Fraser. Gets, I, I know I hate to do this, but you, you know you, you always hear in the AFL where they talk about pendles and he's got so much time and everything. Fraser Sampson is exactly the same. He's just when he's got the football. He doesn't look like getting tackled. He, he gets the football. He's just a little shuffle to the left or shuffle yep. to the right, and he's he's out in the space and and uses the ball really well. So I love the way uh, Frank goes about it. Yep, I've gone for Josh Vader. You know, leadership, class, everything that you want. And I tell you what, he racks up a shitload of stats as well. <laughs> yeah, he does. Certainly didn't round three. That's for certainly sure. did that week. So yeah, I've backed him. Uh, as my Renmark player in my Dream Six. Uh, great pick, mate. Uh, Wakery, I've gone for Steve Braun. I've, I've watched him a couple of times now this year, and they've moved him back into the middle. And what I love about Braun is his first instinct is always give off the handball. And I know I just mentioned I love the blokes that kick it, but Braun, doesn't matter who gets it, who's coming past for the handball. Braun, his first instinct is to get that give off to somebody running past. So he's the one creating those guys that are out in the space like Tyson Kent or a, a Tommy Finlay potentially. So, um, yeah, and it doesn't matter who it is. And I love that. You know, some you see some players, they get the football and they always wheel around onto the left or right and, and try and kick the ball. If someone's running past Braun, hands are out to them every single time. I've gone for Jared B. Because, oh, yeah, I, like I reckon that this bloke's on for probably his best season and – we're starting to see, we're, yeah, we're seeing the best of him early and I think it's going to get better. And like I said, I just love it that every time he gets a ball, it's about making an attacking move by foot or by hand. So, um, yeah, he goes into my dream six, mate. And I think what we should do is maybe we could revisit this and just see how our dream six go head-to-head on points. This would be interesting, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. We'll look at it at the end of the year and uh, see who's got the – but like I said, I've picked mine on the guys I love to watch. But having said that, they are all, all good uh, numbers getters as well. They all, all rack up the stats, which is Andy. That's it, mate. Yep. And we'll see where we land in uh, building our Marks Up dream team here on our Dream Stats chat. So uh, in, we'll be uh, rolling them out um, yeah, uh, every week uh, where we can. So just uh, bear with us. It's a bit of a process, but we've got our – football analyst boffins all over this one and we'll be rolling them out. Well, hopefully, yeah, going forward, we might be able to get them out a little bit early if we can, depending on time, but it is a very time-consuming uh, affair for, for the Marks Up team. So we'd love to get a sponsor on board, wouldn't we, Lonzi, to come on board just to alleviate a bit of that pain and um, and help us out there because it is it does take about 10 hours to accumulate them yeah, all, doesn't it? it does, yeah, to put them through our um, uh, stat calculator um, being our pens and paper. <laughs> <laughs> Get the abacus out. That's right. Yes, but uh, look, yeah, we we just think it's something that uh, something a bit different and something we haven't seen in uh, local footy that players getting the recognition for their hard work and their uh, those valuable stats. Definitely, mate. And there's a few blokes that have just sort of 
crept up like a Jack Ops is, is one of those guys. He, um, it's great to see him get recognition for that great game a couple of weeks ago. And um, there's plenty more where that came from. Well, Delo, it's about time we catch up for our player interview. Really enjoying doing this through the season, checking in with our players around the RFL about all things going on and their perspective on the game because at the end of the day, well, they make the game, don't they? Absolutely, mate. And we've had some uh, absolutely huge superstars on the uh, on the pod over the past few weeks and uh, today's is a pretty big one too, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, we said at the top of the show that this episode is locked and loaded with some big guns and here's one from the Wakery midfield. He's a premiership player and joining us is Matt Spensley. Matt, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. It's good to be here. Great, mate. Um, look, you're coming off eight goals against Loxton North on Saturday. I know you've had some bags in the past, but where does this one rank for you, mate? Um, well, I played permanently forward all day Saturday. So, it, to be honest, it wasn't up there in a massive sort of achievement because, I, like I said, I didn't leave the 50 sort of all game. So, yeah, it was nice to bob up and kick a few goals, but it was probably the most fresh I've been at the end of a game in a long time. So was uh, yeah, Shano resting your legs for a week, was he? Yeah, well, I got a bit of a bit of a sore groin, so I um, decided to sort of sit forward for the game and, yeah, and see sort of how it go, how it sort of felt after the game. It was still a bit sore, so basically icing it up this week and see how it goes for Saturday. But fingers crossed I can get back into the midfield. Not a bad uh, effort there, Lines. He saw groin, but still bag eight. Yeah. He's done well there. <laughs> um, Matty, you've played footy for a lot of footy clubs over the years, including South Adelaide and Adelaide's development squad. So you obviously played some pretty um, you know, top-level footy. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but you've actually played more games at Wakery than any other club with 74 games and 208 goals. So what is it about Wakery that keeps you coming back to the club? Oh, just the people there, yeah. I went and... Last year, I went and played a few games at South Madura, which I really enjoyed, but you quickly miss Wakery and you realise how good of a club it is when you're no longer involved. And I think that's sort of the similar thing happened to Brendan Moon this year. He um, left to go play in the York Peninsula and played a couple of games. And I don't know the full story, but what I heard is he uh, almost just regretted it instantly and now he's back. So, yeah, it's just something about the club. I mean, I grew up in Wakery, so I've got a lot of mates there as well. So yeah. that sort of helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah and sure. great to see Brendan back because uh, he was such an exciting player to watch last year and seeing him back in the side and that run through the midfield and just some real exciting football. But um, yourself and your brother Jake uh, missed some games last year. Uh, Jake threw injury and you spent some time at South Mildura. But um, Jake's back now this year after a little bit of a run with injury. How good is it to have the brothers back together, the old band? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, I really enjoyed last week against Barmer when we were both in the middle together. I think it's no secret that we uh, pass the ball back and forward a little bit more than anyone else does. But, yeah, it was a bit of a shame on the weekend I couldn't get in there. But hopefully this weekend, I mean, I'm not actually sure if he's playing. I think he's in Darwin at the minute. So he might not even be back this weekend, but we'll wait and see. But no, it's um, yeah, it's brilliant playing with him. It's, so that was sort of another reason why I chose to come back to Wakery because he, we're both getting older, and he might only have sort of two, or maybe two or three years left in him. So sort of want to be playing with him while he's still playing, I guess, because you don't want to regret not doing it when your time's up. Yeah, for sure, mate. And you mentioned that you, know, you guys seem to pass to each other, but you do seem to have a real synergy and able to know where the other player is. And I, I did notice it myself in that Wakery Farmer uh, game where you're able to find him quite regularly. Have you guys always had that or is that something you've developed from playing footy, so much footy together over the years? I think it's just sort of when he gets the footy, 
I would sort of know I'm more of a chance to get it than if anyone else sort of got it. It might sound a bit stupid, but he said the same thing. When I get the footy, he works that little bit harder because he knows there's a great chance I'm going to kick it to him. Yeah. So it's sort of, you're, you're probably putting that little bit more work when, the other, when they have the footy sort of thing. And we were saying a joke on the weekend, one of our young players, Cade Hilton, he's um, down at Westies, but a few of the boys said, we're basically calling him another Spensley brother on the weekend just because every time he sort of got it, he was sort of giving it to me or Jake. And I thought if we can have three <laughs> of us, that'd be even better. Absolutely. He's but a he's talented young man, Cade. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great footballer. Yeah, and it's great that you're mentioning because it brings me on to my next question in that um, Shane Stevens has brought in a lot of juniors through the ranks over the past few seasons uh, like Cade. But uh, look, could you tell us about some of the others that have impressed you that have come through? Well, one of the ones that have impressed me, obviously Cade's probably up there with number one. He's just so talented. I haven't seen a footballer like that come through with basically he's got some serious potential. I was speaking to him on the weekend about basically cracking in and trying to get drafted because when you see someone of that talent, you hope they do sort of thing. And then you've got Lockie Nitschke. He's a just cracks in, gives 100%, and obviously everyone loves playing around someone like that. Mitchie Hahn on the weekend was bloody really good up forward. He's just very strong for his age, and he's only going to get better, and I think he's really enjoying being at Wakery. So those are probably the three off the top of my head. But I'm sure there's probably others that I've missed. Even there was a young bloke called last name Pillion on the weekend. He came in for his first game, and he cracked in and did well. Be Jackson, but, Jackson Pillion, yeah, Jackson, yeah, that's yeah. one. Yeah, he came in and played well. But yeah, the only trouble for those younger blokes is we got uh, probably oh, eight to ten players to come back into our side when we get sort of all fit and ready to go. Yeah, it's a good spot to be in, that's for sure. And you mentioned yeah. Mitch there. I think he came back from a, I think it was like a broken, broken leg or something like that at, uh, from last year too. So great to see him up and about. Um, so this season does seem a lot closer than than recent years. Um, how do you see the the year panning out now, and, and which which teams do you think are the biggest challenges for the flag? Oh, I think it's probably going to have to be Wakery and Remark again. Would be my our right pick. Um, it was good to see Barry knock off Loxton. It obviously shows that they're um, going to be right up there. I think us and Loxton this week will be a cracking game. That can probably is probably a fifty fifty game to be honest. It can go either way. Um, but yeah, I'd have to say us and Remark will probably be there at the end of the year, would be my thoughts. But hey, it's great It's great that it's going to be a lot more even. Sort of the finals this year is probably going to be a lot better than what they were last year, knowing sort of who was going to be playing their grand final day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've just got, got one more question for you there, Maddie. Are you looking pretty comfy there, Zan? What are you wearing? Yeah, my bedtime's normally 8 o'clock, so... Yeah, we're keeping you up here. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are a little bit, actually. But uh, look, mate, just before we go, look, the big one this week, uh, the Russell Liebert tribute match. Uh, look, mate, is the guy's up and about for this one. And look, um, has Shano been mentioning a little bit about Russell's uh, influence with the club there, just to earth things on a bit? I'm sure he has been at training, but obviously I'm down in Adelaide, so i got to do my own work. So no, I haven't heard too much about it. They mentioned a bit on Saturday, obviously, they were walking around giving us out tickets and sort of I had to look at it and had to sort of ask the question because I, yeah, to be honest, didn't really know what was happening this weekend, <laughs> which made me look like a bit of an idiot. But, yeah, then that was the <laughs> conversation got brought up about it. But, yeah, I'm sure he'll be uh, talking about that tonight and Thursday night. Yep. 
Excellent. For sure. No worries, mate. Well, we won't keep you up any further past your bedtime, mate. Uh, so get comfy and uh, <laughs> rest up for a big game mate, at Locks to Noble, mate, with, for the Russell Ebert Tribune match. Oh, and you got the dog there as well. Fantastic. Yeah, What's it- he's chilling out. He's listening. <laughs> What's his name, mate? Rufus. Rufus. What sort of dog is he? He's a mini dash out. Nice. The sausage dog. Yeah, I had him at the game against the Remark and Vader. Really enjoyed seeing him run across the oval. He had a laugh. <laughs> so that was good. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, great, mate. Well, uh, thank you for joining us in the Kick-Ons podcast and uh, all the best. Perfect. Thank you. I'll speak to you soon. Matty Spensley there from the Wakery Football Club. Uh, interesting to hear, uh, Dillo, a bit of camaraderie between uh, the Black and White and the Rovers there over uh, Matty's pup. Yeah, it's not not the first time I've uh, heard of a dog running onto the field though, Lonsy. There was a time when I played for Peringa back in, I think it was 2003, uh, United, um, the Aboriginal team was still in. Uh, they used to play at their home games out at Gerard. Um, and uh, we there was a pretty rough game. You know, both sides were having a crack at each other and it was sort of threatening to boil over. And late in the last quarter, um, a, an absolute gun player for Pringer for a lot of years, Craig O'Shepard, took a mark at centre-half forward and proceeded to head back and, and take his shot on goal. And, and the uh, United guy was standing the mark. But before he could take his kick, this little dog uh, would be a... A foot long, if if that. It was this tiny little thing, like a chihuahua type thing. Runs out into the field, stands directly between the man on the mark and Shep and proceeds to take the biggest shit you've, you've ever seen. It was nearly as big as the dog. <laughs> Unbelievable. Never seen anything like it. Yeah. And it just, but it just broke the, the tension in the game. We all had a laugh then. And, and yeah. you know, thankfully, you know, sometimes games threaten to get out of hand. That one did, but we were able to just have a bit of a laugh about it and, and uh, get on with things. And uh, everyone got through our skates, yeah. but I'd never forget that in my life. And it was just, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think Shep kicked the goal because, you know, it was, he was pissing himself laughing still. That's it. Well, it's good to hear like that there's uh, some common ground between fierce rivals. Just add puppies. That's it, exactly yeah. right. <laughs> That's it, mate. Well, mate, let's get in and let's pump up this week of Riverland football because it's going to be huge, mate. Talking about fierce rivals, uh, we've got Port Adelaide and West Adelaide playing there in the Russell mm-hmm. Ebert tribute match. Plenty on the line there. Not just premiership points, but there is a legend to be uh, honoured there. Most definitely. Very much looking forward to being there on the day and uh, helping the mini-leaguers out onto the, onto the ground, which is going to be exciting, but the actual match itself. And, and really good news for Westies. It looks like, well, at the moment, it looks like Hamish Hartlett and John O'Beach will be available back from injury. I know Hamish has been battling for a little while, and uh, whether they play him or not, I'm not sure, or either, or either of them, but they have been named this week as available. By the time this comes out, we'll... We'll know for sure, but that's a huge boost for Westies who are desperate for that first win of the year. That's right, and Port Adelaide as well for the context of their season. Uh, we, mm. we just spoke with uh, Cam Sutcliffe about that a little bit earlier. But uh, we mentioned that because uh, this is the curtain raiser to that match in Loxton and Wakeree. This one is built up to be match of the round, and uh, yeah, this this could uh, be an absolute barnstormer. Barnstormer, I like it. Yeah, it will be, mate. It's, um, it is match of the round for a reason, and it's great that it's got this billing right before the Sandville game, because we're going to see some great footy on show that day, and uh, really looking forward to seeing how Loxton handle Wakery. You know, they've they've been a bit up and down. You know, they had the loss to Berry, they had the loss to, to Remark, and 
not the same great start that they had last year, so they're under that little bit more pressure now. Um, and a loss to Wakery here will you know, put them really on the back foot with uh, Barmer Munish still not that far behind. Um, but, you know, I know – did Jack Evans play on the weekend, mate? Because I know he's going to be a vital inclusion once he comes back. Yeah, no, he didn't play week just gone. Yeah, so, you know, potentially for Jack to come back in, if he does, that makes it makes an uh, immediate impact for them. Um, Wakery, you know, just have to keep on rolling on. We mentioned their kids before, uh, talking to Maddie Spensley, and we love what Mitch Hahn's doing. We love what Kate Hilton's doing, and, and their kids um, uh, are doing such a great job for them in, in being sort of glue in between those uh, those senior players at the moment. You know, there are there are cavaliers still to come back. There's still Tim Bevan, there's Ryan Shaw and guys like that, but these other kids are putting their best foot forward at the moment. Yeah, that's it. And, and to me, like, Wakery feel like, I, I guess because I, I haven't been to one of their games live yet apart from uh, watching uh, online, but they feel to me like they're just operating under the radar. They're still up there. They're getting the wins. They're, you know, always uh, setting that same high benchmark they do, but they just feel like to me they're just getting business done here just quietly. Yep, and that's what good teams do, don't yeah. they? They get the job done. Um, they've been very accurate as well. You take out the Renmark game, um, yeah, the, their goal kicking has certainly helped them um, get over the line because there's been games where the teams have had very similar amount of scoring shots, but Wakery's been able to get the, get the job done. If we look at round one, they kicked 13-6. Uh, round, uh, round three, they kicked 12-4. And then last week against Lobster North, 13-7. So that is helping them at the moment. If those, those goals don't go through, they are under a lot more pressure. Um, but that's also the quality of the, the players have gotten their side to be able to nail those goals under pressure too. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can kick that winning score against the Tigers. Yep, that will all remains to be seen apart from four quarters of football on Sunday afternoon. We must remember that one there, um, not Saturday. Now, next game here, Loxton North v. Berry. I think Loxton North better be ready to play because I think Berry's going to come out with a bee in their bonnet after last week, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think um, you know, they would have been disappointed. They they were up and about for that Remark game, the Demons, and um, would have been disappointed to not come away with uh, with the points. I know they had a few guys out. You know, Charlie Holtham didn't play. I think he's got a bit of a, uh, a stress fracture or something like that. The skipper, Evan Pendaluna, was out with COVID. Uh, big Voidy didn't play, so they didn't have the, the big key forward. Um, but they'll certainly have um, yeah, some a point to prove this week, I think, um, against a side that you know still searching for that first win and, and probably going to find it a little bit tough against the up-and-about Demons team. Yeah, that's it. So it's just a case now Locks and North seem to have the right things in place. You know, they're, they're closing up that goal differential uh, quarter by quarter. So all they've got to do is just be in the contest and, you know, anything can happen. You know, if uh, Berry aren't quite firing up forward and, uh, you know, they, yep, they were lacking a bit of that polish that you just mentioned before with those uh, key targets. So if that's not there and Renmark North are on, uh, sorry, Loxton North are on. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just cricket put, coming out. Yeah, there, that's it. My cricket coming out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if Loxton North are on, it, it could well, well be the week maybe. Yeah, potentially. I mean, they've got blokes to come back in too. You know, Joel Worsfold didn't play against uh, against the Magpies. Um, you know, there's uh, Ryan Proud. He's you know, obviously, uh, I think he might have got injured in, in round three, I think it might have been. Um, 
And then yeah, Hugo Keller, I think he copped a, um, had a collision with Timmy Wolford, and I think that's kept him out with with the concussion. I'm not sure if he'll be back, but you know they've got they've got guys out too. So that's a promising thing that they were able to come. Uh, have that game against Wakery last week and still be competitive. Renmark versus Barmer Monash. Now, look, they're a menacing force, Renmark, when they're bearing down, as we talked talked about uh, with their zone earlier. What is it going to take for Barmer Monash to break through? And do you think that this new look forward line is ready for this task? I'd like to see Mason play forward. I think that that puts the pressure yeah. on the Renmark defenders. You know, if, you, if you're... Um, if you're Josh Fader and you've got Mason Middleton up in in your forward line uh, to contend with, or their forward line to contend with, it makes a big difference. Um, you know, Jordan Freeman's more than capable in the ruck. There's no reason why he couldn't go in there and um, and and do a job and, and play on uh, on Zach Gartry. But you know, if they can get the ball out of the middle, because their midfielders are good enough to win, even if their ruckman's not uh, not winning it. And then give give themselves a chance. Have Mason up there as that focal point, and then get the guys like Manny Waki and and Tarzo Bentolis uh, around him. Yeah, I think that would be a, a huge huge start and get a winning score. Put Remark under pressure early, and then see if they can hold on. That's it, because uh, the the ruse, especially last week, showed that they if they want to start, they can start really quickly. So mm. you know, play that type of football for the first uh, quarter, and just see where they land after that, and just. You know, keep building on it. You know, so it could be uh, could be an interesting one there out at Renmark Oval this week. Absolutely, mate. And yep. uh, yeah, hopefully they can be competitive because I know they've had some big, big losses against Renmark in the past couple of years, and they'll uh, they'll be wanting to rectify that. That's right, indeed they will. Now move across to independent football. Uh, this one here, Sedan versus Ramco. Look. The, the Magpies are up and about, um, and Ramco just uh, not not quite making the landing stick at the moment, uh, especially that game against uh, Wake Wanka just gone. Yeah, it's um, you've got to go on the on the side of the Magpies on this one, I think. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, the Magpies weren't necessarily convincing last week either against Paringa, who you know obviously haven't picked up a win yet. But uh, you know, Ramco. And Jamie's mentioned this as well. They're probably not as strong as that they were last year, not at the stage anyway. Um, you know, they'll bring a few blokes back this week. I think they, I think they only had about sixteen guys to um, to pick from last week. So that's where they're they're at as a footy club. That's that's makes things bloody tough. I don't even know if they ran with the bench. Um, and you know, seeing Cambrai, um, you know, they're they're a good side. I, I think they'll probably get the win. But Ramco's hard brand of football. We'll always keep them in the contest. So looking forward to a, a good result there. Mm, could be a tough, tough contest. Now this one here, I think the the door is wide open here for the, for the bombers. You know, things just not quite firing for for the Swans at the moment. But you hope they get there. But like Browns, well, if they can finish like they did uh, last week, I I think if they can carry that momentum, look, this is uh, this is anyone's game. Yeah, they would have been on this game from a couple of weeks ago, I think, uh, from that round one game when they were competitive against uh, Wanker and then seeing the results fall the way they have and Pring obviously down the bottom, they would have said, okay, this is our, this is our game, boys. So particularly at home, yeah, they, they get a good following at home. The crowd gets right into it. Um, yeah, they'll be uh, they'll be pretty keen to uh, get the W. Brian Hample, good to see him playing some good footy. Um, that's going to be a great contest, him and Zach Fran going at it in the ruck. Yeah. Um, 
I guess the question for Browns will is that do they have the firepower to score enough goals? We saw Pringer scored quite a few on the weekend. Um, it's great to see them get up and about, and, but their defence was pretty pretty leaky as well. So you know they'll get the uh, the Sam Franz back and guys like that. Can Pringer get that first win, or will Browns will get that first? Win? It is it is a very juicy game because somebody's either going to be yeah, somebody's going to be very happy, one team, and the other team's not. Or do we see the, what happened with uh, Armour Locks oh, last year? Oh, don't do it. <laughs> what are you doing, Dillo? <laughs> well, I, I should mention my, my brother-in-law, he always bets on uh, scores level at the end of any quarter. So yeah. I reckon that'd be, this, that'd be his sort of bet for this, uh, yeah. this weekend, I think. <laughs> okay. And uh, the final game of independent football for this weekend will be BSR and Wanka. Look, BSR, you can't look past them, but look, Wanka consolidating themselves uh, after a, a very disappointing week uh, previous. Look, they're they're probably yeah. This could they could still be a very very tight game. I think it could be. It depends what Wanka we see, don't we? Like it's mm. if they if they come with their best side, and, and I don't think they've had their best side out there this year. Then they're still a very capable team that can uh, you know be pushing for a top two spot. But BSR have just shown so far that they are quality. They've got the uh, the team to go out there and, and win the whole thing, I think, this year. And, um, you know, they did it pretty comfortably against Brownsville on the weekend with a number of their stars out. You know, there was no Jake Medhurst. Um, uh, Andrew Mapstone wasn't out there. So, you know, to be short, go down to Brownsville, win as comfortably as they did, shows you know, the signs of a quality team. I, I can't see Wonka getting, you know, within four or five goals of them. I think it's going to be a good win for BSR. Mm. Yep, and in the RFLW, we have Renmark versus Barma Monash. Uh, look, uh, again, this one here, the two sides that have um, had some pretty uh, forgettable days out in the park. Barma were scoreless a couple of weeks back. Renmark coming off just a one-goal one, so probably uh, a chance for either side to really get some confidence back into their game. Yep, it's a, and also an opportunity as well for Barma to go uh, bang and put the, hopefully put a, for them put a gap on on the rest of the competition um, you know, with Wakery uh, Wakery playing so the Locks North playing very sorry yeah. uh, Barmer can put that gap on, on Wakery and Renmark behind them so that, that's a really good opportunity for Barmer and I think you know they've got some uh, really talented players in their side probably you know, a little bit more depth as well which affects Renmark they don't have the numbers that uh, Barmer Monash does so um, you'd think that the ruse would would come home pretty comfortably. It's interesting to um to look at the percentages though, isn't it? Have you had a look at the ladder, Lindsay? Uh, actually, no, <laughs> I haven't. Well, Barrowman is just sitting second with a whopping percentage of two hundred and thirty six, but Barry on top with one thousand one hundred and seventy one. So uh, they're going very nicely at the moment. The D's and they obviously they uh, take on Locks and North, mate. They do, yeah. So uh, look. Uh, the D's are up and about doing what they do best, and that is winning. Uh, Locks the North, look, they're, they're coming off uh, a pretty, uh, what would be a pretty good feeling, would almost feel like a win uh, last week, uh, kicking a, a five-goal uh, tally there. So, look, you know, um, they they can go into this one up and about and, you know, maybe uh, upset the D's for, uh, you know, a few, maybe a quarter here or there. I was going to say for the whole game, I thought you meant the whole game. I thought it's a big call, Lindsay. Because 
it does it does threaten to get a little bit ugly um, yeah. when you consider yeah Barry's sort of averaging around that fifty five points a, a game and only yeah uh, five points against they've been um, terrific defensively fantastic offensively Stacey Guy obviously coming off eight goals um, yeah Locks North are going to have to uh, watch her pretty carefully I think because she um, she could be on there onto another bag this week yeah indeed so there we go it's all. All there, ready to go. That's our preview for round five of Riverland football this weekend. And uh, it's going to be a round like no other because we only get one chance to honour a legend and we get to do it this weekend with the Russell Ebert tribute match. So everyone get out and support not just your team, but maybe put the colours aside and just support Riverland football and, and the memory of one Russell Ebert this weekend. Definitely, and tickets are still available, I believe, so you can get them. Uh, you can't buy them on the gate, I don't think, so you have to get online and grab those. So people who are thinking about just rocking up and uh, and buying a ticket there, don't get online, grab your ticket beforehand and uh, and make sure you don't miss what's going to be a fantastic day for, for Riverland football and, and the EBIT family as well. Absolutely. So let's park it there uh, for another huge week here on the Kick-Ons podcast brought to you by MB Roller Doors Installation Sales and Service. And remember, the Kick-Ons podcast is out every week on the Spotify and Apple podcast networks or find us on the Marks Up Facebook page. We're always spreading the word about Riverland football and also Riverland business. So get in touch with our ads team at MarksUpRiverland at gmail.com. Dillo, it's been great to see you again for another week, mate, and let's do it all again next week, hey? Looking forward to it, mate. Bring on the weekend. Absolutely. A big weekend of football, and we'll catch you next week right here on the Kick-Ons Podcast, brought to you by MB Roller Doors.